Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hello, welcome back to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl trying to figure out her life. Mm, I like it. I still like it. It's been, this is number, what are we, eight? Yes. And I still like the beginning. You're not sick of it? Not yet. No. Well, you know, it's a, it's kind of a branding campaign. I like it. You got to stay with it. Okay. Um, look at Nike. Just look at them. Let's just take a look at them. <laughs> Let's just take a look at Nike. <laughs> We're going to just take a minute and look at Nike. Okay, I'm looking. I'm not All right. seeing anything. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done looking at Nike. Do we need to introduce ourselves? Yeah, I'm Mary. And I'm Shelly. Okay. So what are we talking about today? Um, well, before we go into anything, Mary, I need to apologize. <laughs> are we going to start out every episode apologizing <laughs> to one another? That, that's called relationship growth, <laughs> when, you can apolo- when you can recognize your fault in something and apologize. So in the last episode, uh-huh. I kind of called you out for the misuse of the word purposely. Well, uh-huh. not the misuse. I told you it wasn't a word at all. And I know. What's it, up with that? Well, I thought it was actually purposefully. Okay, Webster. I know. And good friend of mine, Cindy, thank you for calling me <laughs> out, by the way. Thanks, Cindy. You're oh my, my BFF. Gosh. She decided to post on my wall about how I was wrong, and she posted a link um, purposely is actually a word. It came into English in the late 1400s. And so it's actually been around longer than the word purposefully, which only came around in the mid-1800s. What did I say the other one? Well, 14, look at 14, that. 15s. So purposefully is actually the newer word, and purposely has had more usage. So here's the hmm. difference in the two. For those of you who care, if you don't, then go, go get a cup of coffee right now while I'm going to tell the difference. Purposely means on purpose. And purposefully means indicating the existence of a purpose. So one is on purpose and one is maybe with purpose. Yes. I am crushing life. Well, I'm sorry. Can you just say it's okay? I forgive you. I still love you. Well, you silly girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so broken up about this whole purpose, purposefully mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, I forgive you. Thank you. Listeners, yeah. if you find us airing. As we judge each other, as we do this podcast, <laughs> please let us know who's right, who's wrong, and we're going to take a tally. Are we going to keep score? Yeah, that's what relationships are, keeping score. Who wins? Wow. No, huh, that's I'm not. rethinking everything right now. <laughs> are we about to break up? <laughs> are we going to break up over, on no, a podcast? No, we're in a two-year lease. We can't. We can't yet. So um, thanks for the apology. You're welcome, sweetheart. Never doubt me again. Uh, Just kidding. No. 
Oh, oh, I'm oh. teasing. <laughs> I have been doing crossword puzzles a really long time, though. You're kind of crazy good. I mean, I'm pretty dang good, but you you come up with stuff. I'm like, that's not a word, Mary. Yeah, but and I then it is. I don't think I could do the New York Times Sunday crossword, though. To be uh, completely honest, those are insane. Mm-hmm, they really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to talk about our weekend? We have some exciting news. We do. We found a companion dog for Eddie. We did. We did. Yeah, it's exciting. Cute. We'll get a picture up. Of him. His name is Domino. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of obvious why he was named that. We didn't actually name him, but we thought it was very fitting, so we kept the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, he looks like an Oreo cookie. But I, he's named Domino. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I might slip and call him Oreo sometimes. It's okay. It happens. So I like to call him Dom. Dom for short. He's it about... Sounds like a mob boss. <laughs> it does. <laughs> he's like 13 or 14 pounds. Probably should he's be about underway. 20 pounds. Yeah, he's, he's skin and bones. But yeah. like good lesbians, we're going to fatten him up. Uh-huh. Um, he was found roaming the streets somewhere in North Carolina. Mm. He has like gross skin infection type things right now. He's, yeah, he's kind of smelly. Yeah. He's kind of like street dog right now. Yeah, um, but he's sweet. very sweet. And so we're going to love him up. And him and Eddie are already getting along fabulously. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yay us. Yay. He's a sweetie. It's good to rescue dogs. It is. And cats. And um, cats. this is Bob Barker saying, have your pet spayed or neutered. I thought Sarah McLaughlin always said that. No, it's Bob <laughs> Barker from The Price is Right. He says that? Seriously, you didn't know that? He's, is he still with Listeners, us? Listeners, if you know that Bob Barker said, have your pet spayed or neutered on The Price is Right, raise your hand. How long ago? That was everyone. Like, before he wasn't on there anymore. I mean, Drew Carey has been the host for, is that show still on the air? Yeah, I don't watch it now, Drew Carey. I don't know. No, no. Huh. I didn't know that. It's true. I, I actually I was on The Price is Right. Did you know that? No. Yeah, really? I didn't, get, I didn't get called down, but I was in the crowd. Huh. And Bob Barker was wearing so much makeup. It was nuts. Mm. But he was like a 1,000. This was about 18 years ago. That sounds about right. I actually had a friend in Atlanta who was also on The Price is Right. It would be funny if you guys were on the same episode. Oh, my gosh. Find out. That would be really a coinkadink for Mm -hmm, sure. mm Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is we hung out with some listeners last night. Yes, that Sh- was awesome. Shout out to my new friend, Sam. Mm-hmm, Sam's fantastic. So I actually know Sam from the first CrossFit gym that I joined. And do you guys remember on either episode one or two, I I'm not sure, maybe three, where I talked about when I joined a CrossFit gym, I found myself noticing attractive women for the first time and being like, "What? what's going on? Why am I so staring at these girls' bodies, ladies, women, whatever? It they happens. weren't girls. That'd be weird. Um, that would be a little weird. <laughs> be a little weird. Ladies, <laughs> women. Hmm, we need to have an intervention. I know. So anyway, this is becoming completely clean. Does she know what you're about to say? I told her last night she was a little drunk, might not remember, but I'm coming clean. (laughs) Sam, you get the award for actually being the very first woman in person that I ever found myself physically attracted to. Boom. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag. Way to go, Sam. So we need to find, I don't know what kind of like, um. Does she get a prize? I was going to say, what kind of trophy is that? Hmm. I don't know. Mm. Um. A set of brass boobs. <laughs> the boob trophy? <laughs> uh, it was more like like the ripped back muscles trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh wow. I Way found myself not being able to stop watching her do pull-ups, and then I was like, snap out of it. What is going on? Wow. Yeah. So there you go, Sam. And Sam, by the way, is happily with her girlfriend, and they we I met the girlfriend 
Pretty sure her name was Kara. Yes, yeah, Kara. Okay. Uh, and she's awesome, by the way. So thank you for letting us meet you all. And thank you for both listening. It's fantastic. Yes. And for all of your friends and for Meg who bought shots. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, so, so that was kind of a weekend. On. Yeah, that was. It was a great weekend, I think. Yeah, I've been a little under the weather, but I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. A little bit of a runny nose here, but I'll survive it. Do we want to get into some listener feedback? Yes. Okay. So I'm always amazed at how many people can relate completely to Shelly's story. It's amazing and also heartbreaking. This letter is from Angelica, who writes, Hey there, my name is Angelica, and I have very recently found your podcast. I have listened to all the episodes, and I finished episode three in tears. I am also a lesbian ex-Mormon. I converted when I was 17 and got married at 19. When I converted, I was called the golden convert, and from the time I started the missionary lessons to baptism was a matter of months. The missionaries loved me so much, they scraped together what little money they had to buy me my first set of scriptures. I was looking for a place to belong and a sense of home. I married a man who looked good on paper, whose family loved me, and even though my family wasn't Mormon, accepted them just the same. I did everything I was supposed to do. I stopped drinking all caffeine cold turkey. I got up early each morning to read my scriptures and pray. I quit my corporate job to be a homemaker and, quote, fulfill God's divine plan for my life. But my marriage wasn't always this way. Right before we got married, we slept with each other, which is a big no-no in the LDS faith. My fiancé at the time told his bishop, due to that good old Mormon guilt, and consequently told on me. I remember being this scared 17-year-old, sitting across this big oak desk from my bishop in a room all alone, while he asked me questions regarding my sexual encounters, including, but not limited to, did you orgasm? Did he orgasm inside you? Did your nipples get hard? No, seriously, I'm reading this. But it gets worse. Like, I'm sitting here just letting you read to get it all out, but uh-huh. I, real quick interjection, her message made me cry. Like, I cried oh, yeah. through the whole thing because I, I relate. I know the pain. I know it hurts. And it's so disgusting to me the way women, people in general, but specifically women in this case, are treated by people in priesthood authority above them. What a horrible question to be asked. Like what person thinks that they are entitled to ask this line of questioning? I don't understand. I don't understand it. You know, I don't know where it started, but it just sort of spread where most bishops started asking that. I mean, I was asked that. And most people who write in say, yep, I was asked those same questions. And I, I get that in these situations, the people questioned feel like they are under some sort of spotlight and they have to fess mm-hmm. up. I yeah. mean, it's Because God will know if you lie. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, it was nothing short of sexual assault. I was scared and alone and didn't know what to do. My family wouldn't understand, and I was told that I needed to be honest so God will forgive me. I was then asked to read Chapter 5 of The Miracle of Forgiveness, which we need to talk about at some point. Oh, jeez. And if I didn't already feel as though God didn't love me, this book nipped it in the bud. So here I am, 17 years old, and feeling like I am pure trash and willing to do anything to get back in God's good graces. So my fiancé and I got married, and the bishop of our ward proceeded to tell the remaining members of the bishopric all the details that I was forced to discuss. Seriously. Mm-hmm. he disclosed. That's not private? He disclosed it? How is that not a private it's conversation? It's supposed to be private, but of course, as a bishop, you're like, well, I need to tell my counselors because they need to know that she can't be asked on to say a prayer in class. What? 
Because if you get disfellowshipped, you cannot say, you can't be asked to speak in church. You can't be asked to say a prayer. So they have to make sure that they inform people who are are leading the classes that you go to that, hey, you can't ask so-and-so to give a prayer. Because she's tainted or something? um, I don't know if they necessarily give the details, but you know what you can and can't do and stay in good standings of the church. So if you see someone not taking the sacrament, you're instantly like, ooh, something's going on. If someone says, hey, don't call on sister so-and-so to say a prayer, she can't, boom, you're like, sex. It was something sexual. Wow. Absolutely. This is so scarlet letter. It's horrible. Nathaniel Hawthorne shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Back to the letter. So all the other members of the ward knew as well. Wow. Because he told the other members of the bishopric, all the other ward members knew too? I don't think she says like specifically how it happened, but people love to talk. And when you go into meetings with the bishopric, if it's like a high council meeting or something, they do tend to slip and let some stuff out about what's going on so that more people are aware of the situation and we can help them and blah, blah. Uh No, you're just freaking gossiping at this point. And that leaks, that gets out. Same with if someone notices that you don't take the sacrament or that you can't say a prayer or notice that you're not wearing your garments, like anything, anything is there to be judged. Well, and how tempting would it be for the other members of this ward to look down upon someone else, feel better about themselves because, oh, someone has sinned worse than I have. Oh, yeah. So it makes you feel righteous. I did that. I was, and I'm not proud of this, but I was so brainwashed and so better than everyone because I was following all of the commandments that I had a way of being able to notice if someone was not wearing their garments, which is like the magic underwear for those of you who... Yeah, we need to talk about that. So the garments basically are just like cotton fabric sort of underwear. They go down to your knees and it's like a t-shirt on the top. So if you see a woman whose skirt is not to her knees or if she, if it is her knees, but she kind of bends over and then it slides up a few inches above her knees and you don't see garments, guess what? You're judging her. Why isn't she wearing her garments? Is she not temple worthy? Is she going astray? What is it? So you thought these things. Oh, for sure. Because I sucked. Because I was so brainwashed into thinking this was the way to be and everything else was less. Which, by the way, is why it's so hard for me on the outside because I know how they think about me because that's the way I thought about people like me. So that's why it's uncomfortable for me to be around Mormons a lot of the time because I know how they feel about me. Because these are people that when I was totally in, I had conversations with them judging people like myself now. Right. So I know how they feel. But if you are a Mormon listener and you feel like this does not describe you, that you are a loving person in your heart and you don't judge people, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. And there are those. There are those. I know I get mad and I start going off about whatever, but there are fantastic non-judgmental Mormons out there. But I know it's hard for them because here's the thing. Even when there's a Mormon that is super nice to you as an ex-Mormon, And so I'm the ex-Mormon, they're the Mormon, and they say nice things and they say, we love you, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Still in your head, you know that their belief system has to be that they think you were a sinner Hmm. and that you messed up and that you have thrown away your eternal family because that's the doctrine. Yeah. So either they actually don't believe the doctrine. So in my mind, I'm like, why are you Mormon anymore? You don't even believe it. Or they're just really trying to be kind and nice to you, which I super appreciate, but I also know that they believe that I am wrong and that I am sinning and that I've somehow gone off the path. They might even say, and I believe they think this, 
I'm so glad you're happy. I actually don't get that a lot because most Mormons don't think I'm happy. Right. But even my Mormon friends who are truly kind-hearted, loving, caring, non-judgmental people say, I'm so glad you're happy. But I know that their actual belief is there's only one way to have eternal life and happiness with God and you're not doing it. Right. So it's still hard. Yes, it's hard. So even if they're saying, we're so glad you found happiness, do they really think you found happiness? It sounds a little bit laced with judgment. Well, ah. I think some truly are happy seeing me be happy, but somewhere inside they're like, what went wrong? Yeah. Because happiness is not a gay relationship and not being sealed to your kids and your family and your husband. That's how could that be happy? You know, how could they think I'm actually really happy? I think they're like, well, she's happy for the level she's at. You poor ignorant soul. Yeah, I know. There's a handful (laughs) of, of like actual Mormon people who listen email me. What do you think about that? Are you actually truly happy for people who leave the church and say, I am so much happier now? Or do you kind of think, I'm glad you think you're happy, but I'm kind of sad because you've lost your way. So it's a deception. We're deceived into thinking we're happy. Yeah. Because as a Mormon, I want everyone to be a Mormon because that's happiness. That's eternal life. That's all the love you can get from God. That's living in the celestial kingdom. So why would you want to be happy for someone who's settling for a lesser reward in heaven. I guess, but it seems like a long shot. Like you're putting all your eggs in the heaven basket when you're miserable here on earth. I mean, you are miserable. I I totally agree with you, but that's the mindset when you're in it. Not worth it to me. So I would love for any um, active Mormon listeners, yeah, let me know. How do you sit with that if you have a relative or a good friend who's left the church and you see them being happy and you actually do feel like they're happy and you're happy for them? How do you let that line up with your belief that there is actually only one way to be happy and they're not doing it? That's a good question. Thank you. (laughs) You are so welcome. (laughs) You know, I'm beginning to think this Mormon stuff is all fake. Really? (laughs) I'm just now (laughs) thinking this. Okay. Catch up. It took a while. You're getting it. You're getting (laughs) it. Okay. Is there more of the letter? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We got a little off. We do get a little off tangent, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Back to the letter. So fast forward. And we got married in the temple. We had to wait that long so we could get our temple recommends back. Oh, because she blew her temple recommend, right? You lose it for a year if you have sex. <sighs> okay. If you masturbate, it can be anywhere from six months to whatever the bishop wants to tell you. Isn't that special? Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here I am trying to do everything I am supposed to do so that God will bless me in my marriage and also so I can find good favor in the eyes of my returned missionary husband who has found a new burst of misogyny in his reinstated priesthood. That's what happens, right? Yeah, for sure. He was the head of the household, the decision maker, and I had to turn into his meek little woman who glorified Heavenly Father and her husband at every turn. And my day was just cooking, cleaning, and becoming obsessed with getting pregnant. Does this sound familiar to you, Shelley? Yep. I think I also need to address the fact that I was trying too hard, not only because I was terrified of enduring what I had already gone through with a bishop again, but also because I believed that Heavenly Father knew the deepest parts of my heart, and I always knew that I liked girls. So I thought that if I tried extra hard, God would overlook that part of me because I was the best Latter-day Saint I could be. I'm an outgoing person and was dwindled down to the shell of a person because of the teachings of the church and how that translated within my marriage. I bet this also sounds really familiar to you, doesn't it, Shelley? Yeah, which is why I was crying as I read the entire thing. I know. I know you can relate. At 22, my husband and I conceived our first child, a little boy, that we were going to name Gabriel. He was never born due to complications with my pregnancy, and he died before he ever took his first breath. I was crushed 
but I was told from both my husband and those in the ward that knew about the situation that while they sent their condolences to our family, it was always followed up with this understanding that the reason our child died was because I was found unworthy, that I had done something to anger God, and he took away my son as punishment. Um, People who are listening that haven't ever heard of something like this, you're probably like, nah, that's ridiculous, she's making this up. This is a real thing. A close friend of mine who, when he lost his child at age 14 months, well, the child was born with a lot of physical and mental disabilities. It was a miracle that that he lived 14 months to begin with. But his mother-in-law blamed this friend of mine that it was his fault that his child was so deformed because he didn't serve a mission. Wow. It was his fault. And when the child died... It was, again, his fault. And this wow. person who is such a strong, kind of a bullheaded, strong person yeah. was devastated and believed that it was his fault that his son was born with these disabilities that killed him. This happens. People think this. And they think it because of words that prophets of the Mormon church have said. Or, you know, one of these days we're going to have a, excuse my French, fucked up things the prophets have said. And we're just going to read them off. <laughs> and down. then people will be like, oh, that's why y'all are so messed up. Exactly. Because when the prophets say it, then it becomes truth. Ugh, so I sound horrible. a little angry tonight, don't I? Yeah, maybe you need to drink more. I do. It was a tough day today. I, I listened to a different podcast and I related to a lot of what this person said. It was about this lady growing up in Idaho as a lesbian and the things that she went through. And it was hard. I, yeah. it, was, it got me. And just when I think I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm over it. Sometimes it just gets me again. And I, I'm, I'm sad and I'm tormented. And maybe that's why I'm a little mad tonight. Yeah, that was hard to listen to even for me, even though I couldn't relate as you could. Yeah. But sweet Eddie riding in the car with us. While a tear is coming down my cheek, he's got his paws on the center console, and he just licked that little tear Aww. right off my cheek. Sweet he knew bed. you were hurting. Or he, he was thirsty, and he had low Free. sodium. <laughs> he had to get his sodium content <clears throat> Anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. So the bishop and her husband said that God took away her son as punishment. My husband resented me after this and became cold towards me. Instead of being there for me, he wrapped himself in his work and made sure I was dotting my I's and crossing my T's of the things the church teaches women to do. So he was on her case. I was micromanaged and ultimately became miserable. That's when I had decided I had had enough. My mind frame at the time was, God has already taken my son away from me and I've been doing everything he asked, so I have nothing to lose anymore. A month went by and I sat my husband down to tell him I wanted out that I wanted a divorce, and that I liked women, and I'm certain that is why God took away our son. Wow, she thought that. That he deserved a good, true Mormon wife who could bless him with children like I never could. Needless to say, he was furious. We separated at the end of the year, and the divorce was finalized that April, just after my 24th birthday. He left me with nothing. I started over from zero. I stopped attending sacrament meetings and didn't plan to go back, even though the missionaries kept knocking on the door of any previous address I had trying to hunt me down, despite asking them to never come back. Wow. She goes on to say that she had her name removed from the church. How does that process work? So when you're a member of the church, they have your name in a file, and it follows you everywhere you go. And so you never can get a fresh start if you move to another ward. They know everything you've been punished for. They know every calling you've had. They know everything. And when you stop going to church, that record stays with you. 
Even if you just completely quit going altogether, if you move, they find out where you move, they transfer your records, so when you move into a new ward boundary, they'll start sending the missionaries out to get you. Time to reactivate the Johnsons yeah. or the whatever. So it's like, you can't get away. The only way you can really get away is to get a lawyer, which is how it used to be. Really? To have them legally remove your name. Oh or you can sit there and hassle with your bishopric and your and, and everything to try to get them to take it off. But it's just a big pain in the ass. Good grief. Thankfully, in the last few years, a lawyer in Salt Lake City, I think, don't quote me, but he offers to do this for free for you online. It's called uh, quitmormon.org, I think. And that's, oh, that's what great. I did myself and all of my kids when I finally decided I'm done. I'm done. Myself and, and my good friend Diana, we just one day, I think we were drinking and we were like, why are we even on the rolls of the church anymore? I'm so done. Yeah. And so we got on our computers and we submitted the paperwork and it was like we high-fived and hugged. And now every year we will celebrate that day. That's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's okay. But her story is so heartbreaking because her big sin was having premarital sex. Mm-hmm. But her husband had it too, or fiancé at the time. Right. It's not like there was a gun to his head. Of course not. Yet later, she's blamed for it. She miscarries. Someone has to blame somebody. I know that it was my friend who was the man who was blamed for it because he had a bit of a sordid past, whereas it wasn't his wife's fault for some reason. It's just, hey, hey guys, wake up. It's not anybody's fault. God doesn't make dead babies because you had sex before marriage. And if God does do that... He's a jackass. And if that's the kind of God you want to worship, have at it. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. No, of course it doesn't, but I don't I understand. I am angry today. <laughs> yeah, you oh are. Gosh. <laughs> I need a knock-knock joke or something. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know, but I just don't understand why he wasn't on the hook, too. Why couldn't they both feel sorrow that they lost this baby together? Why does he have to blame her? It's easier to be mad than to hurt. <sighs> it's awful. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, she was completely betrayed by her bishop, her church, her husband. Mm -hmm. um, but fast forward, she has found happiness. She's been in therapy. She's finally met an amazing woman. We got married. We have three pets and are working towards having our own child here in the next few years. I was actually able to go back to college since it was frowned upon in the church. It's mm -hmm. crazy, too. And I'm working towards my certification as a veterinary nurse. Life after the church is so much better without feeling like I have to meet all these demands to find love. Amen, sister. Amen. The church, in my opinion, is a cult through and through. You have no choices, and the love they preach is completely conditional. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, she says, I want to thank you both so much for this podcast. It helps to know that I'm not alone and that others also have had some of the same experiences I did. Please keep doing this, and please keep talking about it. It's important. Please know that this Latter-day lesbian from Alabama who is writing all of this in tears can't thank you enough. Mm. Oh, Angelica. Angelica, thank you. Thank you thank for you. being brave. That's huge. I'm glad that we can share these on the podcast so that more people listen and hear and say, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy because I know for a long time I thought that I was crazy, that I was in my mind made up how bad it was and somehow it actually wasn't the way I was thinking it was because people would say, why are you so mad about the church? Why just get over it? Like, what are you so mad about? Why do you have to always hate the church? Why can't you just leave and go yeah, away? Or just let it go. You hear that from your family members a lot. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. And so it's good for me to hear that other people have been just as screwed up as I have. Yeah. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't making it up. I wasn't being overly sensitive. I was being abused. And so were you. If this is your story, 
and please share them. And so we can all feel this togetherness of like, hey, we're not crazy, but we can get through this. We're not alone. No. And thank you to everyone brave enough to write in and share their stories. Shelly, thank you for being brave enough to share your story. Thank you. I mean, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome and thank you. Wow, this got a little heavy tonight. (sighs) Should we interject with a joke? Yeah, so to lighten things up a little bit, this made me laugh. So a friend of mine right after New Year's was saying, hey, instead of just bashing 2018, why don't we talk about something that was great that happened to us in 2018? People were writing in, I bought a house, I had my first child, I got my doctorate, what have you. I said, oh, I started a podcast And also, I tried crispy beef intestine tacos for the first time, and I told your five-year-old daughter about it, and she said, wait, you ate the butt? (laughs) I think you are now probably her most favorite person. Because I ate butt? Because you ate the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a damn good butt, let me tell you. the best butt I've ever had. How many butts have you tried? You know, I am an animal organ eater. I love Manito. That sounds awful. They would sound horrible. Get it? Awful? Never mind. I'll explain later. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go back to Merriam-Webster and look up that. What does awful mean? O-F-F-A-L. Let's look it up. Oh, God. Okay, Shelly. Yes? Awful. Here, let's see if we have a pronunciation of it. Awful. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Awful. Awful. The you way she say it says like it is awful. Yeah, uh, that's on dictionary.com, I guess. The entrails and internal organs of an animal used as food. Never knew that. That, by the way, is why you kick ass at crossword, <laughs> at crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzle. Wow. But it also makes for really good puns when you're talking about how horrible it is. Okay, well. Okay, keep that in punny. your back mm-hmm. pocket. Mm-hmm. So, Shelly. <laughs> Put your cocktail down. Yes, Mary. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where we remind people how to get in touch with us. That's a good idea. Okay. Um, you can email us directly at contact at latterdaylesbian.org. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, you can look for the Latterday Lesbian podcast page. Mm-hmm. Also, you can private message us that way. Right. We get a lot of messages on our Facebook page privately. Or you can go to our website at latterdaylesbian.org and contact us there. I like it. Okay. We're going to read your letters and comments mm-hmm. on the air. Also, please subscribe and review us if you wouldn't mind. That's always helpful. What also, else? tell your friends. Yeah. Tell Don't your keep friends. it yourself. No, because... Don't hide your light under a bushel. I'm about maxed <laughs> out on how many Facebook friends I can have. So <laughs> like my promoting this is just about done. So if you wouldn't mind telling your friends and encourage them to listen if you think they would like it or if you think they would hate it, do that too. Oh, that's actually fun. Is it? Yeah, revenge um, listening. I don't know. Is that a, is that a thing? <laughs> it's not a thing. Okay. I just made that up. It was horrible. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we're back. So if it's okay, I wanted to talk for a minute about the episode where I spoke about having a hard time with Christmas because I felt like I was sort of robbed of my belief in Jesus We got some fantastic listener feedback, one from a friend Jacob and another from a friend Carrie, and I won't won't read them out loud, but I loved that they had found a way to celebrate Christmas in a way that was still spiritual, but not like dogmatic. Is that the right word, dogmatic? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And that's what I'm struggling to find, so thank you for those. When we first left Mormonism, we went to this other church, and it was a non-denominational Christian church. 
And I really enjoyed it. It was a wonderful step away from Mormonism. I loved the music. It was the praise and worship songs, like the with the guitars and the you know yeah. drums. It was like modern, so not your know, traditional hymns. In Correct. Other words. And their band was fantastic, super talented. The preachers, ministers, whatever you call them, everything was about love and forgiving others and finding your happiness. It was it was really really good. I really enjoyed it. I felt. I don't know what the spirit is, but I felt uplifted and I, I felt touched a lot of the times. And so why didn't you stay? Going I didn't to stay church? going because there was one time that we went and people had written in questions for the preacher to answer. And I liked him. I thought it was fantastic. One of the questions, though, was do you perform gay marriages in your church? Hmm. And his answer was look, I love everyone, I have gay friends. I am happy for them and their relationships, but the Bible says gay marriage is not ordained of God, and so no, I won't do that. <sighs> and that was hard for me, yeah. but not that he doesn't have a right to think that, uh-huh. not that he doesn't have a right to not perform gay marriages. I would never go to a church and say, you have to marry gay people. I'm not about that. We also have a right to not go to that church. Exactly. And this was hard for me because up until that point, I was all in it. Like, it felt good. The kids loved it. It was so great. But then it was like... And this was before, by the way, before I was out. This is when I was not even out with myself yet, but I was having friends who were gay, and I was upset with the way the Mormon church was treating gay people. And so it just hurt. Yeah. And I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad about it. You know, people believe that what they want to believe, and that's fine. He was He's not like the actively persecuting gay people. There were gay people in the congregation. Wow. But it just felt like I can't be in a place where you're happy for me because I'm happy but you think that my lifestyle goes against God. Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks. And so that was probably my last time going, and I, I really missed it. I missed the unity there. I missed um, I missed the worship songs. I missed singing. I missed hearing the messages that Jesus, fake Jesus, whoever Jesus was, <laughs> uh, taught about love and standing up for the little guy and feeding the hungry. I mean, New Testament Jesus kind of kicked ass, and so my stage of religion, whatever you want to call it at this point, is, was Jesus real? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm not against some kind of Christianity that sort of teaches those values. You know what I mean? Teaches the values that Jesus taught. I'm not so sure I'm about like the resurrection and how he died for us so we can all live and we were sinners. Eh, I don't love that anymore. So going back to church, I would like to try to find some kind of church community in our area, Mary, that you and I could go to on yeah. a Sunday once in a while, but here are my standards. I need modern worship music, and I am totally cool with it being Jesus music because I'm not anti-Jesus. I could think he was a cool dude if he really existed, but I can't handle like the old school hymns that's still too Mormon for me. Mm-hmm. I can't handle, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this sometime. I can't handle guys like in suits that look like they're in charge of me. Oh, wow. And ex-husband, Brent, if you're listening, do you remember how there was such a long time after we left the church that I couldn't handle you wearing a suit? It made me upset. For me, a man in a suit is just elevated so far above me. Huh. It's a man in a suit with a jacket that is always telling me what to do, that's always in charge of me, that's kept me down, that's put me in this place of being the subservient woman. And that bleeds back, I think, to my dad. Mm-hmm. Not just my dad, but my dad was always in a suit because he was always going to church. He was always in some kind of leadership position in the church. Right. And he always dressed in a suit, like mm-hmm. the, the suit jacket and everything, a tie, like all of it. Mm-hmm. And every horrible situation I had in a Mormon church dealing with 
the bishopric above me, and we haven't gotten into that yet, um, they were wearing suits. And for yeah. some reason, that is a trigger for me because when Brent and I left the church, you know, we went to this non-denominational Christian church. You can wear whatever the hell you want, which was fantastic. Yeah. And then I remember it was probably a couple months later, Brent put a suit on because I don't even know what he was going to. And I looked at him and I hated him. Wow. It was like he was punching me in the face. It was like this big Russia feelings of like, oh, my God, he still believes. He still believes. Like he's in with this group that wants to smash me. Wow. So you probably trigger at men's warehouse commercials or something. <laughs> Okay, I'm pausing. So we um, just had to pause, and now we are back. Shelly um, burst into into tears telling that last story about her ex-husband wearing a suit. Um, what, what happened? What happened to you just then? I had forgotten. I had forgotten about it. And talking about it again, just every memory came back, and every bad memory to do with a a man above me is someone that wears a white shirt and a tie and a suit. And I was picturing my husband wearing that and being the boss of me Mm. and then not wearing it because we left the church and then suddenly wearing it again, not going back to church, but in my mind he was betraying me because I was traumatized by it. And then I thought about every time I've sat across the desk from a bishop in his white shirt and his tie and his suit jacket, and he's judging me. Yeah. And he's telling me how bad I am, and he's asking me gross, creepy questions. And I'm I'm thinking about my dad always wearing this stamped suit and tie and white shirt and talking about missions and the church and Brother Brigham, and, you know, I just hate it. I hate it. I had wow. forgotten how triggering that is to me. Yeah. So yeah, a little breakdown. A little breakdown. Clearly, there's still a lot um, to unpack. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for there sure. is. You're, I, I think you've, I actually think you've buried a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because it's hard to face. It's it's difficult for you. Yeah. This is healing. That's what's going to happen now and then. Yeah. You're going to uncover something that you've had buried deep, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's going to make you break down sometimes. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It just sucks in the moment. It just sucks because I feel like I'm in control and I'm telling a story and all of a sudden I'm not in control and it's not my story anymore. It's memories in my head and they're still in charge of me. I don't, I don't, does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's, but you know what? They're not. Yeah. They're not. And honestly, when you take the man out of a suit, it's just clothes on a hanger. That's all it is. Yeah. It's polyester cotton blends. Sometimes wool. <laughs> That's what we're talking oh about. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just You're fabric. Right. It's right. just fabric. You're right. It doesn't have any power. The person inside is no greater than I am. No. And, they don't get and, to tell me what to do. No, and these people, they're not the boss of you anymore. <sighs> they are not. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> and I'm here for support, and thousands of our best friends are supporting you. Thank you. All over the place. Thank you. Thousands Rooting of best for you. friends. Thank you. Rooting for you. Thank you. So taking it back to before I just broke down a few minutes ago, um, <laughs> I need to find a church where they don't wear <laughs> white shirts and ties and suits. I can't. I can't okay. do it. I don't want it. I don't want to go to a church where they feel like that's – 
what God needs them to wear. I know it sounds so screwy. I get it, but I I can't do it. Okay. It's the music they have to have. It's the, that they can dress casually, that the leaders dress casually. I don't want robes. I don't, I can't handle anything traditional at this point. I can't handle chanting, nothing chanting, nothing where you're repeating things over and over. I can't. It's too Mormon for me. It's okay. too traditional. It's what is too that called? Patriarchal. Liturgy, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and listen, that's nothing against those who are listening that do it and they like it and they believe it. I, I don't have a problem with anyone else doing it. I just am too, messed up at this yeah. point that I, I can't, I don't want it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It's still yeah, too... Yeah, because I have a lot of friends who go to a, an Episcopal church. Of course, mm-hmm. this is at Decatur, Georgia, so mm-hmm. I can't go to that mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't live there, but they love it. I mean, yeah. it is more traditional, though, and they do wear robes, and they do liturgy, and they sing yeah, hymns. I can't. Yeah, I, can't. I, I hear you. Much. But there's a, you know, there's a gay minister. They can marry gay people. So there's great things happening in a sure. church like that. It, I think it might be a little bit of a tall order. Is it? Because I also, people will say, well, how about, uh, what's... The Unitarian Church? No, the Metro something or another. Metropolitan like a, Community Metropolitan. Church. They wear robes. Oh, they sing hymns. The robes and the hymns. <laughs> I don't God. know. And the Unitarian Church, I love the Unitarian Church. They also wear robes and sing hymns. It might not be as traditional. There, there's also other types of music. Aren't there like... Christian churches who do like modern Christian worship songs, but do it in a way that's like Jesus was badass, but but you're not going to hell for being gay. Going to hell for not believing it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I think maybe what I want doesn't exist. Maybe that's not a thing. Start your own darn church. This is my church. All of you are my <laughs> Here, friends. I'll get my ukulele out. We'll start singing songs okay. that are not hymns. All right. <laughs> well, if any it. listeners in the Northern Virginia or DC Maryland area have solution for us. Mm-hmm. Not too Jesus-y, not too formal, good music that's sort of modern, <laughs> no suits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this exists. This Listen, exists. if that dude at that church that I used to go to just didn't say that thing about we don't marry gay people, that'd be perfect. Yeah. You screwed it up. You screwed it up, Reverend, or whatever yeah, it is. I just don't think that Jesus was God. And that's a whole other episode. Well, I don't care. Like, I don't care if he was or not. It doesn't matter to me. I think. Do I have to believe that at a church to go to it? No. I would have been fine at that church. At that point, I wasn't so sure about Jesus anyway, but I did like the songs because they really talked about Jesus caring and listening and loving and us wanting to be like Jesus, which I totally get. Yeah, sure. But when it crossed over into, well, Jesus doesn't approve of you being gay and wanting to be married, like, I'm out. I can't do that. Why can't we just stick with, be like what Jesus taught? Jesus didn't teach shit about gay people. Sorry, you got the wrong book. He just taught love and acceptance and telling the people who were running things, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Get out of here. Like, you don't know what you're doing. We're taking care of the sinners, you know? I don't know. Maybe there's not a solution for what I'm trying to get. Maybe there's just a hole that I have that I don't know what it is, and I'm trying to find some kind of fill at this point. Maybe it's actually not a church community. I don't know. Therapists out there, if you were listening... You have a therapist. Laura Root, if you are listening, <laughs> what is it that I'm looking for? Hot Laura Root. Hot Laura Root. What am I missing? Because <laughs> I'm not going back to Mormonism. Like, what oh, is it that I, that I need? I know. Anyway. No, please Wow, this, uh, this episode went all over the place. <sighs> Don't they all? They do. It's got a little do. heavy. You know what, though? I have to say, I've had, like, a couple people message and be like, you guys need to stay on topic. And I kind of laugh because... 
we are both severely affected with ADD. I don't think we could stay on topic if we tried. But the bulk of people... We write notes. We try. Oh, my gosh. I have notes. I have notes, too. My page of notes, I think we hit three of them, and now I'm writing notes of the things that we now started talking about, and we need to finish (laughs) up another time. I know. We ramble. But I've had so many people message and say, we love your rambling. Love how you get off topic because every time you get off topic, that's a new episode. Yeah, that's and true. you're right. You're right. I think if we stuck to exactly what we wrote down, look at all the we would have missed the whole talking about men in suits. That wasn't yeah, on. That wasn't have on the page. Broken down over the whole men's warehouse commercial. <laughs> you may you may tell that joke again now, and I, I will laugh instead of cry. <laughs> I love. I you. know it's a good joke. Lori losing my shit. <laughs> okay. Bad timing. Good joke. Bad timing. <laughs> I know. I tell the joke, and I look over at you, <laughs> and you're in tears. tears. I'm like, oh no, yeah. my joke offended Jelly. <laughs> no, I was already breaking, and you just didn't notice. And then, then I had to talk about men's warehouse. Well, let's also let, make sure listeners know that it's hard to see each other because we have these cardboard boxes. Are you giving away our, our faces? Our, uh, stellar production. Yes, cardboard secrets. boxes with um, egg crate foam and a spit guard. <laughs> well, the spit <laughs> thing, I, I, I mean, I purchased. It's a nice one. No, I do like the spit thing. It's kind of like a pantyhose, like stretched on a like a pantyhose. Doesn't make you trigger. <laughs> It doesn't because pantyhose was like significant of what I had to wear. And this and is I black. It. it doesn't look like most pantyhose. I liked, I always got the nude color. <laughs> That's so racist. <laughs> Calling pantyhose nude and they're tan. No, that was what they were called. I nude know. I'm color. not saying you're racist. I think the people that named the pantyhose are racist. No, that was the color. I know. That's not a real color, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> No, because people's nude bodies come in all, co- oh, all sorts I of colors. I see what you're saying. The assumption is that if people are nude, they are this shade. Yes. Oh, shit. You're right. I know. <laughs> oh, God. You, you pantyhose makers, get together. I know. Do they still call them that? Well, I don't know. If any of my listeners still wear pantyhose, do they come in nude? It's <laughs> terrible. Ugh. Gosh. Wait, or is it new that they're kind of see-through and whatever your actual skin color is, it shows through? I think they're tannish color, mm. which is not nude. It's tannish. Okay. Right. They should have called it tannish. Did we just get really <laughs> off topic or <laughs> what? Huh. It never happens. <laughs> so those of you who are about to write in and be like, you guys don't stay on topic. We're sorry. It's hard. We're trying. <laughs> I like our format. I do too. Yeah. It, you know, it got really heavy tonight, yeah. and I you cried. broke down. I yeah. cried. And so I think we need a little humor to a lighten it up. A pantyhose humor. <laughs> Maybe a little racist pantyhose comments <laughs> to lighten things Perfect. up. Perfect. <laughs> wow, maybe we need to go out on that note. Yeah. Whew, what keep, an episode. Keep writing in, people. This was a hard episode. Write in. Give me your comments, questions. Yeah. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Seriously. Yeah, we love all of you. Yes. Thank you. So remember... Steer clear of cults, because they are no joke. No joke. No joke at all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.